This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Four games on the schedule this evening. Hall of Fame game in Toronto. It is the Leafs and the Penguins. It is the Caps and the Bolts at 7 as well. Watch that on Sportsnet East, West, and Pacific. 8.30, the Sharks and the Stars, the Wild and the Kraken. Sorry, Wild and the Red Hot Seattle Kraken. Uh, that one at 10 o'clock Eastern. Uh, with that, we turn our attention to Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Hello, Freege. Hello, Jeffrey. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm well, so the Pittsburgh Penguins are in town, so I'm guessing you're going out to lunch with Sidney Crosby and Yevgeny Malkin or a combination of one or the other? You'd think those guys would be seen with me in public. It was probably embarrassing <laughs> enough for them to be seen with me standing next to me doing an interview, but no chance those guys are going out with me in public. It's bad for their reputation. How was, how was, the, uh, how was the skate this morning? You gleaned anything from the rink today? Uh, you know what? I think a couple of things. I think... Uh, well, Matt Murray skated again this morning, and Sheldon Keith said they'll make a call on him to, uh, either tonight or tomorrow. I think they were hoping he would start tomorrow against the Canucks, but they weren't willing to commit to anything at this time. So that's number one. Um, uh, the, the Penguins had some injuries on defense, but I think all of their regulars were out there today. So... Uh, actually, I have to tell you that there was one really interesting drill the Penguins did. Their, their skills coach at the end of the practice took a marker to the ice at uh, Scotiabank Arena and basically drew what would be like a key in front of a basketball net or a paint in front of a basketball net in front of the goals. And it was a three-on-two drill. And, Jeff, the forwards were not allowed to go inside that, that area. And I was like, okay, are the Penguins trying to make themselves a more perimeter team here or something like that? I was joking with someone. But I asked Mike Sullivan, and he said it's, there's certain rules that we have at certain times. And he, guaranteed, and he didn't see the drill, but what he's guessing is that was one of those things where some players have to follow certain rules about where they can go and where they can't go. And so they drew the imaginary lines on the ice. Anyway, that might be interesting only to me, but I thought it was interesting. No, I love stuff like that. I love all the little, you know, Ken Hitchcock has about a million of these things, whether it's, you know, you can never direct, like depending on, because you know, you always play to the score. I remember someone uh, that played for Hitch who said you could never, it was like if it was a one-goal game, you could never direct the puck while you're in the offensive zone towards your net. And I said, so that means if you're behind the net, you can't throw it out in front. And he said, exactly, that Hitchcock would never want the puck ever going in the direction of his net. And the other one was... Mm. Uh, if you were if you were a winger uh, and you couldn't touch the boards with your stick, you were out of position. That he always uh-huh. wanted his wingers that tight that tight to the boards. He said if you can put your stick out, if you can touch the boards, you're in position. If you can't touch the boards, you're out of position. So trust me, I am very trivial, just like you. I like uh-huh. all of the little the tiny little rules of the game that every coach seems to have. But I, I thought the one about directing the puck towards your net, even in the offensive zone, could be an interesting one. So I'm like, no passes to the point. It's like one goal lead. Nope, not throwing it back to the point, just in case, just hmm. in case. Yeah, that sounds like a guy who was uh, pretty intense defensively and won his family cup. I can see that. I can totally see that rule. Yeah, I can see that one as well. Okay, I um, want to ask you about Columbus. So, yeah. bad news for Columbus today. Uh, Torn labrum for Zach Wierenski. Awful. Nick Blankenberg, broken ankle. He's out six to eight weeks. 
uh, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Columbus won last night, beat the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, they're last in the NHL, now they're down Wierenski, and they're down, down Blankenberg, and here they are in the conversation, dare we say it, for Connor Bedard. Your thoughts on CBJ right now? Well, first of all, like I saw someone sent me the tweet last night. I didn't initially see it uh, from uh, Aaron Portsline, and I'm sure the other Columbus reporters had it too, about Zach Lorensky and, and Brad Larson's reaction and saying it, it's not good. Yeah. And, you know, in situations like that, I, I usually will go to the video. Um, you know, I, 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 I go to the website or I try to find the clip on Twitter, and you can see from the look on Larson's face it wasn't just what he said. It was the look on his face and how he said it. They knew last night. They, they knew last night that Wierenski, I mean, you have to go and do your double check and just make sure. But they knew last night that, that Wierenski was done for the year. And, you know, I, I feel, you know, the first thing I thought about, Jeff, was, do you remember um, we, Wierenski was Columbus's representative at the uh, North American media tour this year in Las Vegas? Yeah. And you remember how positive he was about the Blue Jackets? Like, like this is a guy, oh, like, yeah. like, like he, he's not your captain, but he's a, obviously a cornerstone player for you, and he sold the Blue Jackets. Like, he, he bought in, he said, I'm on board, I understand what's been going on here, and he spoke so positively about the team and the experience. Like, you, you need that from your leader. You need your leaders to be selling that message. And... You know, obviously it wasn't going well for them. I mean, they're they're minus 30 in goal differential already. Like that, that's yeah. really rough at, at this at this time of the year. And but the, the one thing I, I I think Jeff and, and we've talked about this with Vancouver a little bit too. Number one, the Blue Jackets are still building. You know, even though they got Johnny Goudreau last year, they're still they're still turning the ship around. It's like. It's like the, the one barge that was stuck in the Suez Canal like a while ago. Like, they're still getting out of the canal, and they're still <laughs> turning around. I know this isn't great right. for them, and I know it sucks to lose and have another tough year like this. It's not the worst thing for the Columbus Blue Jackets if they add another great player. And then I, I think there's a lot of teams this year, and I said it about Vancouver too, it's not the worst thing in the world for them to look at what they've got, add another great young player to it, and see where it takes them. I, yeah. I know that's going to be tough to sell locally because they want it. They don't want to lose like this. I get that. But in the long run, it's not the end of the world. You know, Rutherford mentioned this the other day when he was talking to Dan and Sat on 650, the idea of, you know, there, there is a line, and when you get to it, um, and I'm paraphrasing here, this season becomes all about next season. And there are some teams that we wonder about, and we've talked plenty about the St. Louis Blues, and, and I'm guessing, you know, even, even before the Wierenski injury, you know, we were talking, you know, coming off of that Global Series where they got romped um, yeah. by the Colorado Avalanche and what's happened so far this season, and, you know, are they, you know, aggressively looking for a first-line center or someone to play center uh, for this team? Are they looking to add another defenseman? What are they going to do about their goaltending? You know, to the point about, you know, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing to happen to your organization. I mean, what's the one thing we've been talking about all season long for the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets? They're looking for a center. They need, yeah. we believe they're looking for a center. Uh, yeah. They need a center. Man, Connor Bedard's sitting there in Regina, and if not him, I mean, Adam Fantilli looks fantastic with uh, with the Wolverines. Like, 
if you're going to be bad, this is the year to be bad, to your previous point, because there's about you know six or seven real can't-miss prospects at the top of this draft, and that's led by you know one of the most dynamic you know youth players and junior hockey players we've ever seen in Connor Bedard. Well, and, and the other thing, too, is now the draft rules have changed. So there's, like, if they finish last, you know, there's only so far you can drop, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's... Correct. So, you know, like, like that's the thing. I, and I know it's tough. Like, the, the toughest thing is, the, the year began with so much promise, you know, Goudreau. And yeah. I, I'm sure that deep down, John Davidson and, and Yarmo Kekalainen, they, they knew that the team probably wasn't going to be great. But... I think the toughest thing is the way they're losing. Like, Kekalainen is an incredibly competitive guy. He is super, super, super competitive. And look, like, so I, I said minus 30. They're minus 22. In the Eastern Conference, the second worst team is, is minus five. That's Detroit and Washington. Like, of, of the 16 teams in the Eastern Conference, 11 of them have, have a positive goals differential. The Blue Jackets are, are, are 17 back of the next team. And so, like, like if you know Kekalainen at all, you know that he's looking at that and he's saying, okay, it's bad enough I have to accept the L's. What I really don't want to accept is the way we're getting it. And, and that's the tough thing, I'm sure, for him and for the fan base. Okay, to a, uh, a couple of things from last night. Um, we spent a lot of time on the podcast, so I won't belabor it, talking about Jack Eichel um, and that command performance last night for the Vegas Golden yeah. Knights. You know, Vegas has now won nine in a row. The, the record for the team is, um, uh, is 10. Uh, they sweep the road trip. It's a, just a command performance. You know, I, I was making the point off the top of the show. You, know, you go back to that, the Connor McDavid draft in Fort Lauderdale and Edmonton selects Connor McDavid first and Buffalo selects Jack Eichel second, and I think a lot of us looked at it and said, well, that's great. The only drag here is we don't get to see Connor go up against Jack Eichel, and we don't get to see Connor go up against Jack Eichel specifically in the playoffs. You know, yesterday we talked about Crosby and Ovechkin and that rivalry and the heads-to-heads and the regular season and the playoffs, etc. you know, fueling interest. You know, now we have a scenario where Jack Eichel, thankfully, is healthy. The ADR surgery yeah. was fantastic for him. Uh, Connor McDavid, even a losing effort last night, finds the back of the net. He's been exceptional. Now we're finally in a position to say, okay, now we have a shot at seeing McDavid at the height of his powers facing off against Eichel at the height of his powers. The winner in this one, capital H Hockey Fridge. Yeah, I'm with you on this, and... You know, I, I don't want to go too much over what was in the podcast, especially my, my tortured dating analogies, which you think are real and not imagined. Uh, but I, you know, the, the, the thing I, I, I just think about here, and I think that's the key thing, is that uh, it, it, I think that that's the key thing, is that he's healthy. And that's the one thing that was missing last year. Yeah. You know, we... Um, like, you know, the thing is, you think about, like, a lot of these athletes as, like, uh, like basically, like, superheroes with, uh, like, Wolverine-ish recovery powers. And some of them absolutely do have them. I mean, look at what's happened in Boston. Brad Marchand back faster than, than what was expected. Charlie McAvoy back faster what was expected. But it still takes time. Like, it, you know, even with all of their great athletic ability and, you know, they're, they're committed, which is a huge part of it, 
but they, you know, they also have access to some of the best treatment. It still takes time. And sometimes we forget that this was a guy who took a leap that a lot of other people weren't willing to take. And it was, uh, it was a huge surgery, and he missed half the year. And, you know, I heard someone called me, someone listened to the podcast already, Jeff, and they, they, they called me this morning, and, and they said, this afternoon, whenever it was out, and they said, you know, there were people telling Eichel, we should just quit. Like, they said, you shouldn't do this surgery, and, and, and you should just quit. And, you know, he just said no. And uh, it takes a long time, and, but he's, he's there now. And like you said it best, um, you know, like I know in Buffalo there's going to be a lot of people yeah, listening to this, and they're going to say, well, we're still not fans of Jack Eichel. That's okay. But you are right. It is great for hockey that he looks like he's back on fire. And, uh, you know, the sport needs that, and it's a, it's a great thing. Okay, um, I know you can never ask players to tank. You can never ask players to deliberately lose. All you can do is, as an organization is, you know, craft together a team, you know, if you're going to go fishing for a Connor Bedard that you think will lose. Uh, I know we're only 13 games in here, but the Arizona Coyotes are in a wild card spot, Elliot Friedman. Yes, and Clayton Keller's got 15 points, and Vimelka's got a 9.15 save percentage. And I think they really have something in this uh, Matthias Maselli kid who's got yeah. nine points. Uh, the Is players didn't the get the memo. Someone, someone was saying he's tied for the rookie uh, league got, scoring. Uh, he has nine points right now, I will tell you. He has nine points. Yes, he's tied with Shane Pinto and Maddie Beniers. That's so, not bad. They beat the Islanders last night 2 nothing. I know Islanders are coming off that big win against the New York Rangers, a big emotional high, etc. But all of a sudden, and again, who knows what's going to happen with Arizona. This might be like the Buffalo Sabres when they're trying to get Connor McDavid. Every time there was a save, the goalie got waived or traded or sent down to the American Hockey League. Um, the Arizona Coyotes players didn't get the memo that they're supposed to be bad. Maybe Andre Tourney, their head coach, didn't get the memo that Arizona is supposed to be bad for each. Well, I, I think if you're a coach, your job is to say, I understand what the organization wants here. But I, I'm going to make it as hard as possible on them. It's, my, it's, it's his job to make it hard on them. It's his job to make his team difficult to play against, and it's his job to make his players better. And, you know, the, the thing I think about a lot of is Christian Fisher's interview with Kyle Bacoskis the night that they beat Toronto in Toronto. Yeah. And, and you could tell, like, he was defiant. You know, he, he got up there, he, he said to Kyle, um, you know, I, I hope people got their $300 of money's worth tonight and or he joked about something like that. And he said, he said, like, I know there's a lot of noise around it, uh, around our team, but we only care about each other. And, I'm, and you know, I'm going to enjoy a cold beer with the boys tonight. And, like, I watched that interview and I was so impressed. Because what that interview represented was, we don't care what everybody else out there says or, or what's going on around us. We can only control what we can control. Like, you know, like, you know, the Players Association had some, you know, they, they, there were some real tough meetings last year between the, the team and the, and, the, and the Players Association. 
Uh, I know they weren't happy with the dressing room set up for the, for the first four games. And now you've got this killer road trip and, and, and every, hopefully everything will be better when they get back. But the bottom line is, as you just talked about there, the players are, it, it's like, you know what it's like? It's, it, it, it's like major league. Like, who do you think, who do you think they're undressing in the dressing room? Well, in major league, it was the owner. Uh, I don't know what they're doing in Arizona, but you know, they're, they're making it, they're making it hard. They've shown a lot of pride and I, I really respect that. In uh, so tonight around the NHL, uh, Penguins and Maple Leafs, the Bolts and the Caps, the Sharks and the Stars, and the winners of five in a row, Elliot, Seattle Kraken, who we really haven't spoken much about this season. But again, the winners of five in a row, the Seattle Kraken face off against the Minnesota Wild. They just mentioned, you know, Matty Beneers has nine points. Andre Burakovsky uh, has proven to be a really nice addition uh, to this team as well. Do you have a thought on, on what we're seeing from Seattle? And here's the question. Are the Seattle Kraken actually good? At the beginning of the year, at the, at the beginning of the season, after exhibition play, I was just texting some people and saying, who's better than we thought and who's maybe worse than we thought? And uh, some responses from out west were, Seattle's better than you think. You know, they're faster, they're deeper. Um, they're going to be able to score uh, a bit more than they could last year. And, and, you know, it didn't start off that way, but it's, it's proven true. Like, someone sent me something yesterday. I don't have the numbers in front of me because I was looking at Soros. Like, uh, Soros, like, goal saved above expected. Last year, he was sixth in the league, and, and, and he, before the game last night, he was 54. And when your goaltending is like that, he's still a good player, and it's not always about the goalie. But when your goaltending goes from one extreme to the other, you can't overcome that. Seattle is still not getting enough saves. And so, like, their, their goals saved above expected numbers. They're, they're still not great. But what they do have, obviously, is a much better team. So the answer to your question, is Seattle good? Yeah, I, I, think, they're, I think they're much better. And now, like last year, they couldn't score as much, and they weren't getting great goaltending. You know, Jeff, I, I'm not a hockey expert, but that's a bad combination. This year... <laughs> they this year they're still not great goaltending, but they can score, and, and and they're 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 much better. They're doing a much better job. And I got to tell you, I think you were one of the first guys to talk about veneers. John Butchagross from ESPN was another one of those guys. That guy's a, yeah, a hell of a player. Like that that guy is a, he's really changed them in a lot of ways. He's made them a lot more dangerous. Thinking about Beneers, and I always go out of my way to mention this, you know, we always, you know, when he used to play for the Barry Colts, we used to say, oh, there's no way that Andre Svechnikov is 18 years old. Uh, Elliot, there's no way that Matty Beneers is 20. Like, does he not look like he's 30, 30 years old and he's played in the NHL for a dozen years? Yeah, like, you think he's some kind of impersonator? He's one of those people that, uh, that uh, <laughs> you know, like, like some, guy who, some guy who plays in the Little League World Series when he's 25? Yeah, exactly what I'm getting at here. He looks like he's been playing. He is a big man. He's a couple of. He's a big dude. You know, he's six two, like 185 pounds, and he's 20 years old, and he's loaded with skill, um, and he looks great. Like there's, like like the the additions this year. Um, and I think I don't think we give enough concert to how good Oliver Bjorkstrand has been. 
Yeah. That was just a cap maneuver when Columbus yeah. picked up Johnny Gaudreau. But they, took there to be the, they took advantage. Uh, they took advantage. And I'm telling you, man, like, Burakovsky looks money there in Seattle. Like, he looks fantastic. I mean, that's been yeah. another one. Um, I know that, you know, the Machine Wright story has kind of dominated Seattle headlines, but this is a good-looking team uh, right now. And I want to get your thoughts on... You know, I just want to mention on, one, on one, one story about Bjorkstrand. I, uh, someone said to me this week that there was another team that had a deal for Bjorkstrand. And then he wouldn't tell me who the team was. But he said there was another team out there that had a deal for Bjorkstrand. And he said they got too greedy. And Columbus got fed up and went to Seattle. Hmm. It's a team that needed a forward. The one that springs to my mind right away would be the Calgary Flames. I, honestly, I, I, I don't think it was them. I didn't hear because I always ask. My first question is, is this a Canadian team? Because they always know that I, I work at Hockey Night in Canada. So they, I, I said, is this a Canadian team? And people will say yes or no. But they said, no, it wasn't. I don't think Calgary could have done it. Uh, well, yeah, no, uh, he makes f- just over $5 million. So that yeah, I, I don't think Calgary could have done it. Flames. But he, 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 I, he said to me that the team got too greedy. And, and, and I said, Canadian team, he said, no. He laughed. He said, I know you always ask that question. Can we talk about the Flames for a second? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's your show. You, you tell me. No, I'm always happy to talk about the Flames. I mean, we're, we're on in Calgary, so let's do it. Well, you know, just watching them last night, I didn't think they were too bad. I, I think the Bruins are really good, and that might have been one of the most beautiful empty net goals I've ever seen last night from Pasternak. But yes. that Cal- now that Calgary team is a tough schedule because they're off today and they've got to play the Jets tomorrow, and the Jets are starting to go a little bit here. I understand that it's not fun when you lose. I, I, I totally, totally get that. That... Calgary team needs a lot, like just to break it up somehow. Like, I don't know if Daryl Sutter has to take them all bowling this afternoon or whatever. I'm sure it's a day off, but whatever he's got to do. But you can see, like, like losing is hard enough. Like, that team looks like not only are they losing, but they're mentally crushed. And they have to find some way to ease it up on them. Now, the schedule doesn't make it easy. They've got kind of a weird setup here where they they were just out west and now they're at home for two games and then they're going back on the road and that doesn't always make it easy. But I look at a team there and I don't expect you to have fun when you're losing. I don't think that exists. Yeah. But I think you've got to find some way to ease the mental burden on that group. And they just look, they look miserable just miserable and sometimes you have to find a way to break that the uh the old school way to do that and you can't anymore namely because players just don't have teams just don't have the personnel to do it was you would have a brawl game like you know 
We think about the Boston Bruins when they won the Stanley Cup in 2011. Like, that season was anything but uh, an, uh, an outstanding season for the Boston Bruins. It ended up great, but, you know, there was that game against the Dallas Stars where it was like four fights in the first period. Um, you know, I know Pae took a suspension against Ray Sawada, but it was like just like one of those games where it was, we need to turn this around and we're going to beat up the Dallas Stars. And that's and it was like right before the Super Bowl, too. And I think Chara hosted a big Super Bowl party. And it was right after that Dallas game. And like that really, you know, you talk to the guys on that team and they'll tell you, you know, it was it was that game, and you know they whipped the Dallas Stars. They chased Raycroft early, and so it was it was that game where like we were in a slump, we weren't playing great, and we needed something like that. You just can't do that anymore, though, Elliot. That was only 2011. You can't do that anymore. Like the the, the it, it's got to be it, it's so difficult right now. Because that just used to be the tonic. Okay, brawl game. We know what's going to happen here. You know they're dressing meat, and we know what's going to happen. You can't do it anymore. I don't know what you do. I don't know whether it's, I don't know that a brawl game is going to do it because you can't. I don't know that bowling with Daryl Sutter is going to do it either. If you're the Flames, I, I kind of look at them and I say, you know what? They're down Tanev, they're down Stone, they're down Shillington. Uh, they're not getting the saves. What do you expect from the Calgary Flames? Yeah, but you know, still, I, I, I don't think you expect seven in a row. And, and I know there was, yeah. uh, I guess, Tom Lecision had an article yesterday that was really interesting about how they have one of the toughest uh, schedules around, um, and that that might be true, but you still don't expect seven in a row. Like, I didn't see a team that was that bad last night. I mean, that, that whole game to me was how to look on Tyler Capoli's face after he missed that, that open net. Um, they shouldn't be as bad as this. They're, they're too good for this. The other thing I do wonder about is that, that GM, Tree Living, you know, it's, it's not that he's impatient, but he's also unafraid. Like, there's a list of GMs in the league yeah. that are unafraid, and there's a list of GMs that are a little bit more cautious. I would put him on the unafraid yeah. list. You know, we know that he's been thinking about an extra forward at certain points. I'm not saying he's going to do it, but he's the kind of guy. Thank you. He's the kind of guy that would, I, I think, would, would think about what can I do here. Okay, last thing here for you. Uh, I love this guy, and I can't wait until he's a full-time netminder in the NHL. Uh, Jordan Martinook referred to the poke check yesterday on Zach Hyman as going full Spider-Man. Uh, we just don't see that in the NHL anymore. Uh, do you have a thought on Peter Kachetkov? I mean, Frederick Anderson misses his second game in a row. He's injured. Uh, yeah. Kachetkov is in there last night. We know what happened last year in the playoffs. It was just like not ready for prime time. I get it. But still, yeah. like one day this guy's going to be a full-time NHLer, and we're all going to benefit because of how entertaining he is. Do you have a thought on Peter Kachetkov? Well, I, I like I say, like with you, I, I think he's a great personality. And, and when you're with Carolina, you've got two goalies with injuries history, uh, Anderson and Ronta. You better yeah. have a third guy who can play. And, you know, I, I, like I think long-term, what he went through last year with Edom and what went good and what went bad, that's going to make him a better player. Because now he's had a taste and he, he understands and he, he sees what it takes and uh, you know, he won a Calder Cup last year in the American Hockey League. I, I like him, too. Like, Jeff, I'm all about the entertainment. I think this is supposed to be fun. And I'm with you. When I see stuff yeah. like that last night, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's phenomenal. Like, look, like the Oilers right now, it, it's not pretty there. You lost Kane. Campbell's really struggling. Um, like, yeah. I, I actually wonder, if you're the Oilers right now, 
are you giving Skinner a run and saying, Jack, you're just going to practice and get back to the basics a little bit here? Um, I always remember, like, Patrick Wall was like, now, I will say this. Patrick Wall didn't take a lot of games off, but he was Patrick Wall. He could do whatever he wanted. Um, but I do remember, like, teammates telling me when he had a bad game, he'd be the first guy out there the next morning without the puck and just doing his moves. And I just wonder with Campbell right now, you have to kind of start out like you're, you're okay, you're, you're, this season for you is over. It's over. We're starting you again. The season's just beginning. Practice, 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 and we'll put you in games when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're there. Uh, I'm with you on that one. Uh, we're up against it. Uh, thanks, Fridge. Enjoy Hall of Fame weekend, and we'll watch for you on the Magic Eyeball tomorrow on Hockey Night. All right. Take care, Jeff. See you tomorrow night. There he is. Uh, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada.